This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Good morning. The scripture reading for today is taken from Book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 36 to 53. You may refer to your Bible or to the slides provided. Verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And he stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the word of God. Okay, good morning everyone. Great to see all of you here today. Okay, don't worry, it's not deja vu. We're not having the same passage that we had last week. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we pray that you help us to truly understand the importance of missions and going out to the ends of the the world with your good news of Jesus Christ, your Son. We pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I try to pray uh, every day if possible, but I admit that... uh, there are often times where I don't get to pray every day. But whenever I do pray, I always remember my dad in prayer. I always pray for his salvation. I pray for his repentance. I pray that God will forgive him of his sins. As I was preparing for today's sermon on missions and evangelism, I asked myself, why do I pray so much for my dad, almost like every day, but I pray relatively less for strangers around the world, people from other cultures, people from other countries and nations? When I think honestly to myself, like if I compare the ratio of how much I pray to my dad, for my dad compared to how much I pray for other cultures and other people in other countries, it's almost like the ratio of like 100 to 1, right, almost. I don't know whether that's your experience in your prayer, how often you pray for your own circle of friends, your family, compared to how often you pray for people outside of that. Now, I think it's a very natural human tendency. Uh, A couple of months ago, I met up with this uh, pastor from Africa. I took him to Newton Circus. He really liked the food there, right? 
But he was telling me about how there was this problem in Africa where if you're appointed the principal of a school, senior pastor of a church, the prime minister of a country, society and cultural expectations would be that you will look after your family and your tribe first. And that's like the situation across all of Africa, according to this African pastor. And he said he was really disappointed because it seemed as if the Bible didn't seem to shape the people's thinking, but instead they were all still thinking in terms of societal and cultural expectations. Family, tribe, nation, race. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been studying the book of Luke. Actually, more than that, we studied Luke all the way from last year to this year. I think it's really interesting because I want to bring you all the way back to the very beginning of Luke. At the very beginning of Luke, when Jesus was born, his parents took him to the temple, and there in the temple in Jerusalem was a man named Simeon. And what was he waiting for? He was waiting for, it says, the consolation of Israel. Right? He was looking for, in a sense, salvation for his own people. Right? His mindset was family, tribe, race, nation. It's no different from what the African pastor was saying happens in Africa. It's no different from many ways from ourselves, right? Singaporeans, you know, there's a Hokkien saying, kakilang, right? Own people. We look for our own people first, right? So here was Simeon in the temple, and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Luke tells us repeatedly that the Holy Spirit was on him, it was revealed by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts and there he saw Jesus. And now, speaking through the Holy Spirit, Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and prays God. And look at what Simeon says. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can now dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. That's really fascinating, right? Because here was Simeon, and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, his tribe, right, his nation, his people. But moved by the Holy Spirit, he proclaims that Jesus is salvation. But not just salvation for his own people, his kakilang, right, but salvation in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation for the Gentiles. So right from the very beginning, we see that God and Jesus is not a parochial, insular God of just one nation, but rather, at the birth of Jesus, moved through the Holy Spirit, God already shows us that Jesus comes for all nations, right? for all peoples. Now, Straight after that, we have Luke chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 3, we have John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes to prepare the way for Jesus the Messiah. He's come to make straight roads for Jesus the Messiah. And God has sent John the Baptist in preparation of this. At the beginning of uh, Luke chapter 3, we're told about John the Baptist and his ministry. And what are we told about John the Baptist's ministry? As it is written in the, words, in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, 
made straight paths for him. Every valley should be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road should become straight, and the rough way smooth, and all people, it says, will see God's salvation. And so what we see here, right from the very beginning, is that it is not just prophesied about Jesus through the Holy Spirit and Simeon. It's not just the words of John the Baptist. But even more so, it is the words of God in Scripture, all the way back in Isaiah the prophet, which tells us that he is a God who wants to save all people, all nations, right? So right from the very beginning of Luke, we see that Luke sets the foundation, the groundwork, where Jesus is an all-nation saviour. Now this would be very, very shocking for the Jew, right? For the Jew, we know that uh, when they, uh, I think even today if you Google it, there's this thing called the Siddur, S-I-D-D-U-R, you can Google it if you want, but not now. And Jews around the world through history, even to the present day, pray through this daily prayer in the morning. It's like their daily, not like their daily bread, but it's like their daily prayer in the morning. Now it's really interesting because for the Jewish man praying the Siddur, one of the prayers during Jesus' time would be to pray this. He would pray to God, thank God that I'm not a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. Okay, so we will ignore the woman and slave part for the moment because we're doing a missions talk today. Right? But we can see right from here, just a prayer, that, that the, the mindset of the Jewish people was one which was very inward-looking, very anti-Gentile and xenophobic. But yet, we see right from the very beginning in the book of Luke, Simeon filled the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist speaking the words of Isaiah the prophet, that God is a God who comes to save all nations. And so, when Jesus commands the disciples at the end of the book of Luke, which is Luke 24, which we just read for our, responsive, uh, for our reading before the sermon, when he says, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus is not doing a new thing. Jesus is merely telling his disciples and true disciples ourselves that God's will in Scripture and Jesus' work is for all Christians to preach the gospel to all nations. And so we cannot be like the other people around us, right? We cannot be, in a sense, the default way of thinking, which is to see that our identity is bound up with individual, family, tribe, and nation. We have to have the mindset of God, right? We have the mindset of Jesus which tells us very clearly from the Old Testament scriptures all the way through to Luke that God is a God who wants to save all nations, all peoples. So this is the mindset that we are meant to have. This is the mind that we're meant to have. I remember many years ago when I was working as an accountant, I had a colleague who was a Christian. But strangely, he was really unpopular at work. The reason was because he came across as a very self-righteous person. Every time you talked to, to him, you, you got the feeling that he was kind of looking down on you because you were not good enough compared to him. Right? So one day I had a conversation with him and I asked him, what do you think 
it means to be a Christian. What is it? What is being a Christian all about? Then he quoted me 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 verse 16. Be holy because I'm holy. And I think he lived to that, to that verse. You know, you see him in, in the office doing his quiet time at his office desk. We'll all be going out for lunch. You know, he'll be like uh, very re- keeping to himself all the time. He never bothered to share Jesus with anybody. He never bothered to make any friends. But he had a really incomplete, a very inadequate understanding of faith in Jesus. See, being a Christian, having faith in Jesus, is not living in your own bubble and just pursuing holiness, right? The Bible is telling us here that our holy God is calling us to preach to the unholy world. See, faith in Jesus is not just to be inner-directed in our own walk in terms of being holy, but it's also to be outer-directed to all the people around us, all the different cultures, all the races and nations, to bring the gospel to them. And that's what all of us have to do, right? To have the mind of Christ and the mind of God, to see that all nations need to be saved. But it's not just the mind of Christ that we need to have and the mind of God that we're meant to have, but also the heart of God and the heart of Christ. Now, it's really interesting because as we saw last week, In Luke chapter 24, at the resurrection of Jesus, the mood is one of joy, right? While they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. So the resurrection of Jesus, the mood is one of great joy. At the ascension of Jesus, when Jesus is taken up to heaven, it's recorded for us that they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, the same word. So here, in the ascension of Jesus, in the resurrection of Jesus, there's this mood of joy, great joy. Knowing Jesus must be filled with joy. But what's really interesting is actually if, we, if you've been going through the book of Luke, you'll notice there's another part of Luke which has the same word, this same word joy and rejoicing and excitement. And that's in Luke chapter 15, right? Same word being repeated over and over again. And here in Luke chapter 15, we see Jesus responding to the Pharisees and teachers of the law who are criticizing him for welcoming sinners and eating with them. And he tells them the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. The parable about how one sheep lost out of 100, one coin lost out of 10, and the person goes to look for the sheep and finds it, and there's great joy. The person goes and finds the coin and again Great joy. But more than that, in both the parables, we are told that the the shepherd, I suppose, and the woman calls their friends and their neighbors together and says to them, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. And both the parables end in the same way. I tell you that in the same way, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 or the 10 that didn't, I suppose, right? So I want us to pay attention here because in both the parables, God is the owner of the sheep that's lost. God is the owner of the coin that's missing. And he calls on his neighbors to share that joy with him. And so the lesson for us is the same, right? It's not enough just to have the head knowledge that God wants us to go out and to save 
people from all nations. But we have to have the same heart as God, who calls us to share the joy that He feels when one sinner is saved. Do we feel that joy? The same joy, the same heart that that God has when we see people saved, when we see sinners who repent. I was converted uh, in university in Australia, UNSW, in focus ministry. I remember there was one couple there who began that ministry, but they were not uh, staff workers. Uh, They were an Australian couple. Uh, He was a ceramic engineer. His name was uh, Stephen Driscoll. And his wife was Susan Driscoll. And when my wife and I went to this uh, Focus UNSW church, he was like the most opposite of overseas students, right? You imagine the whitest of white Australians in his like 50s or 60s, and we're like all in their, our 20s or, or teens, right? And, and can you imagine like for decades, you know, he'd been inviting overseas students to come to this uh, focus group, to come to his house, even his kids uh, joined us at church. And I almost remember how excited he was when overseas students came to church. He will, you could feel he was genuinely excited that we were hearing the gospel, we were reading the Bible, that you know, we were actually being saved. And it was so different because after I became a Christian, I actually got to visit some other churches and it would be the opposite like, you know, you come into a church and maybe you're, like, you're one of the few Asians there and then after the service, you'd be kind of like hanging around, but nobody will say hello to you at all. You know, so you can have the head knowledge, yes, God wants us to go to the nations and to save them, right? But unless you have the heart of God, the excitement and the joy that comes with seeing other people, other cultures, other races saved, you won't actually do anything. So I wonder, previously, uh, over Good Friday, Easter weekend, you may have seen there was this, uh, there was this big uh, like, uh, Bangladeshi man who joined us. He was sitting uh, on this side of the hall. If you remember, he's quite an unmistakable guy. He's much bigger than we are. This Bangladeshi guy. I wonder whether you saw him over the Good Friday and Easter service, right? And if you did, th- did you bother to go and say hello to him? And to welcome him, right? Actually, he's a Christian, so you don't need to evangelize him. But, you know, if you had seen him and you saw him, then if we share the heart of God in terms of like seeing, being excited about people from other nations, other races, and other countries coming to hear of Jesus, then immediately we should be drawn to say hello to this person, you know, to find out if they're really saved and why they're joining us today. Because that's what it means, isn't it, to have the heart of God, who calls us to share in his rejoicing of the sinner who repents. So here it's very clear. The Bible tells us that all Christians must save all nations. We must have the mind of God, the mind of Christ, but also the heart of God which shares the joy of sinners being saved. And lastly, if we look at Luke 24 again, it's quite interesting, we didn't touch on this last week. But after Jesus tells them that Scripture needs to be fulfilled and he must suffer, rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. 
In verse 49, he says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Okay, we didn't look at this last week when we preached on it. But this is actually a really, really important verse. Right? It's very important because it seems to suggest that disciples cannot go out in their own power to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. They are to wait, to wait for power from on high, which Jesus is going to send, which his Father has promised. So what is exactly is Jesus talking about here? Well, Luke in the Bible is actually the first of a two-part series, right? It's like a companion. Luke-Acts is the companion book, right? It's like, it's like Law of the Rings, except it's only two parts sort of thing, you know? It's like, okay, there's a companion piece. And so Acts chapter 1 continues on from Luke chapter 24. We can see that because right at the very first verse, it talks about the same person that's being written to, Theophilus, right? So verse 7, Jesus says to the apostles, it's not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here what Jesus promises, as we read Luke and Acts together, is that he promises the Holy Spirit on his disciples, which gives them power, right, to be able to bring and witness the good news of Jesus to the nations. So what's interesting is, we have this companion piece, right? We have Luke and Acts. Some people say that the Gospel of Luke is like the Acts of Jesus. But the Gospel of Acts, in a sense, sorry, the book of Acts is like the Acts of the Apostles. So some of you may have Bibles, and if you open it up, it will say the Acts of the Apostles. If you read a bit wide, more widely, some people say that Acts is actually the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because, you know, the Holy Spirit is empowered the apostles to go and to do everything in the book of Acts. I actually think that both of them are not quite perfectly correct, right? Because what we've seen in Luke-Acts is that the ascended Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to send the Holy Spirit, which was promised by his Father, to send it among his disciples, which will empower the disciples to go to all nations, right? So what's actually happening here, I think, is that Acts is not the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, but actually the Acts of Jesus through the disciples and the Apostles. And that's why in the book of Acts it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach, and which he continues to do through the Apostles, through the disciples in the book of Acts. Now this is important for us because it shows us then that evangelism and missions is actually us doing the work of Jesus in this world. We, in a sense, are like the hands and the feet and the mouthpieces of Jesus. Jesus is working through us, through the Holy Spirit, enabling us, giving us power to do what he had begun to do in the book of Luke, which is to bring the good news of salvation and forgiveness of sins and repentance to all the nations, right? 
So all Christians must save all nations because we need the mind of God and Christ, the heart of God, which rejoices in saving sinners. But also, Jesus continues to act through us to save people in this world. Now, you know, when I talk to uh, some young people in our church, they're really excited about joining like prestigious and good organizations. You know, last week there was this like top 15 employers to work for in Singapore, right? So, you know, you work for the, the Googles or the Amazons or the, uh, the, I think, Lego or so. You know, young people get really excited when they get these job offers from these really, really prestigious, I guess, big, exciting organizations. Even more exciting would be if the, you know, after you join these big, prestigious organizations, when the CEO comes up to you and puts his arm around you and say, hey, I want you to do this really big project for me, right? It's like the really important project, the next big project for Google or something. But if you think about it, as Christians, we are engaged in the biggest project of them all, right? Like Jesus has empowered us to do the biggest project of saving people's souls from all the nations. Can't get bigger than that, right? I mean, you can work for Google or Amazon or Lego or whatever, but how can it compare to what Jesus has empowered us to do? To be working through the Holy Spirit to bring the good news of salvation to all nations. In conclusion, many years ago, I was sitting at the back of uh, Orchard Road Presbyterian Church. There was a Project Timothy Pastors Conference and it wasn't the main hall, it was like some side hall. If you ever drive past um, Orchard Presbyterian Church, if you, don't, if you look past the banner, next to that big main hall is like this tiny hall on the corner, right? Which is like, maybe it's even the original church building, who knows, right? Anyway, I was late, so I sat at the very, very back. And I noticed at the back, at the corner, there were these really old stones. And engraved on those stones were all these plaques, Right, not plug on your teeth, okay, but plugs like this. Okay, if you go to like Fort Canning or some old place in Singapore, you will see these plaques. Like, you know, in memory of this person. So this is guy Joseph Wise, I don't know who he is, born at Windclose, Cumberland, I'm also not sure where that is, 1815, died in Singapore, 24th June, 1852. But the back of Orchard Road Presbyterian Church in this small, tiny sanctuary at the back of this hall that nobody really uses there were all these tiny plaques of all this really interesting like, news of people who died many years ago. So I was reading about this single guy who came to Singapore from England, also don't know where he came from, like, it's not Windclose, but I've never heard of it, traveled to Singapore in the 1800s, and upon arriving in Singapore, like, died within one or two years, right? Amazing. Another plot was of a missionary who stayed in Singapore for a couple of years and then was making his way to China and then drowned when his boat sank. I think I remember reading another plot of this other person who came to Singapore, made his way to India, and then died a couple of years later. And then there was another married couple. I think the husband or the wife died and this person continued to do ministry in Singapore for a couple more decades and then died. And these were not old people. These were like people in the prime of their lives, right? Because you can see from the, date, the dating, right? How long they lived, like 1815 to 1852. So these were young people 
who didn't even reach like the age of 30, you know. And here they were, they came to Singapore to share the good news here. And that's probably why we are here today, right? Because of the work of these people who came all the way from England to share the gospel, and then their legacy is we are here today. So, they had the head of Christ, right? The mindset of Christ. Right? They recognized that it was important for them to give up their lives to, to bring the good news to Asia. They were excited. They had the heart of God. And they had the hands, right, of God. They, they recognized they were work, Jesus was working through them to bring salvation to Asia. So for all of us here, we are all called in the same way because, as you can see, we're no different from those people 1800s, about 200 years ago, right, who came to Singapore. All of us are called to save all nations. Should be praying for them. So there's nothing wrong praying for my dad, but I also should be praying for people from all nations, right? We should be going to places like Batam to do ministry with the kids. We should be continuing to do ministry with the foreign domestic helpers, ministry to the foreign workers in Shalom, going to Da Nang, Vietnam, where our aunt was sharing so encouragingly to us about. We should support them financially. And if God calls us and we are convicted, then maybe we should even give our lives to go to a foreign nation to bring the gospel there. But I think it's a really good reminder to us that as we've gone through the whole book of Luke, very important for us to remember that our faith in Jesus is not just reflected in an inward perspective, in an inward direction, but we need to be outer-directed because that's what God calls every one of us to be and to do. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, really want to pray for all of us that it's so easy for us to just have the mindset of the world where we think of ourselves, our family, our tribe, our race, our nation. But help us to see that we need instead to have the mind of Christ, to have your mind, that we see from the Holy Spirit, through Scripture, to the commands of Jesus, that salvation must go out to all nations and all people. Help us to share your heart, the heart that rejoices and is excited when sinners come to repentance and salvation, that we will have the same attitude as Jesus and let the, Jesus work through us to the Holy Spirit to empower us to pray, to give, to support, to go, to share the good news and to bring salvation to all sorts of people all around the world, regardless of culture, race, skin color, language and nationality. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, thanks Pastor Andrew for sharing with us God's word. So due to the shortage of time, we will not have a reflection and discussion time, but I thought I'll leave the question here. What have I learned today about evangelism and missions to the world and what do I need to change regarding about my mind, my heart and my hands? So keep these two questions in your mind and uh, do take the opportunity to continue on with this conversation over lunch. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.